Ryan. Hey, welcome to the Big Story Podcast. I'm Alex Morrissey. We like to sit down, have a nice chat with some creators, learn some stuff, spread some love, splash a little hype, have a great day. Today we have Russell Nolte joining us from California. Russell, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm going to have a beverage sip too. I'm going to look there. Mmm. It's real important when you are doing so many interviews that you, you got to stay hydrated, man. Yeah. Yeah. So are interviews pretty uh, common in your, your weekly routine or your monthly so, routine? Probably every three months. So I, I release roughly four big launches a year yep. and I learned from fashion designers to like you to work in kind of like a wave. Mm -hmm. So like you have like a development cycle, then you have like a prep cycle, then you have like the launch cycle and you have like the, the down cycle. Yeah. And so I, um, I do all of my interviews, like sort of the month before or during a, a launch. Right. And then I try really hard, really hard to not do anything when I'm not like about to launch because yeah. it's just, it's so much, it takes you out of your day. Um, it's a whole nother set of like skills yep. and people I don't think appreciate just how hard sitting and talking for hours is, uh, yeah. even if you're just sitting like in your, in your room talking. It's, it's, no, it is tough. I've, I've, I've had a, I mean, you, cause you feel like after that, after that, and it's like, you also get, you're really keyed up, you know? So like by the end of it, you're just kind of like running and we used to do the show live. So, you know, we'd wrap up like 10, 30, 10, 45. And I would just be like, I couldn't sleep. Like I would just be, you know, pegged. So um, that's why we, one of the main reasons we shifted to recording these things, because it was just, I needed to sleep, man. Like I couldn't, I couldn't go. <laughs> so yeah, I always drink uh, caffeine before I do a show because right. I'm not usually quite as high energy as, and people also don't think you like, you need to go, you know, another notch or notch and a half up from like your normal energy level to make it seem like you're not super deflated on camera. Yeah. So yeah, um, it's like a whole process. It's, it's, it's weird how much um, like performance there is in doing like just writing or doing any promotional things that you have to do yeah totally totally yeah it, it's uh i mean i remember the i remember when i was doing the 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 circuit you know the comic book convention circuit it was a big you know like it's it's a ton of work it's a ton of work to sit at a table and engage with people all day all afternoon for days on end you know it's a very it's a very you know challenging uh experience so um but these are like sort of like like i don't know i have this you know that theory like you put a camera on somebody and it's just like you know you like everyone elevates everything about their person their persona so well i learned this thing uh from russell brunson many years ago about the magnetic or attractive character which was how you kind of tweak things when you're on camera or when you're when you're out front facing your your like business whether it's writing or whatever and it's like it's how you tweak up like the things people really like about you yeah. you tweak down like the things that people like don't so much like about you so that like you attract the right people to you so yeah. i think that a lot of people do this like they just amplify everything sure uh, yeah 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 and i learned that it shows actually to like how to do the the like hey i'm gonna the things that you guys like i'm gonna put i'm gonna make to 20 the stuff that like people generally say are not so attractive like i'm turning that down to a one right uh, but you know, tweaking your personality in any way is like hard because you still want to have those like tr 
things that you want to do. Yeah, though I mean the wiring's the wiring, you know, like it's it, it's what it is, and it's. But then you know, I guess maybe maybe I should probably uh, have a little form, little questionnaire fill out, and I hand it out to people. I'm like, okay, so how was your uh, speaking with me? And uh, on a scale of one to five, did you like this about me? <laughs> so so then you can find the things that you can turn down. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get you do get those sometimes. I do a lot of these things and you get yeah. those sometimes. You do get and but like I always feel like what am I going to say? Like are you just talk to me. Like you know who I am. Like yeah. am I really going to give you a, a one? Like what is how are you going to edit my episode like sure. if that happens? So like I always uh but I mean I I I've been very blessed by I I I think that I've enjoyed 99% of the interviews I've ever done yeah. and once you're done with it, you kind of kind of goes out of your head. Yeah, you're like, wait, what happened? An hour and a half went by. What 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 yeah. what, what did we talk about? Well, I it's it's funny, you know, when it, when we were first starting to do this, and I was reaching out to people, you know, this this sort of like, hey, do you want to commit an hour, an hour and a half of your life to talking to strangers, kind of thing? A lot of people were like, I don't know what I would talk about for that time, and I'm like, you will be amazed at how fast it goes by. Like once it starts and you get engaged this whole sort of kind of sense of like because you're just talking and you know listen our favorite subject typically is ourselves so it's great to kind of like you know just get people going on their own their own riff so um you said you were talking about like um you know the 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 discussing it with people and like and the energy levels like and the and the net one percent of the podcast like it's a very strange feeling, you know, and I hope no one's experienced it here, you know, here uh, on this one, but man, like I've been on one or two, you know, but like where you, you sit there and you go, Ooh, I don't know if I'm in the right place. You know, like you really kind of, you go, okay, I just, and it just feels like my brain goes in triage mode. I'm like, all right, so just make sure we don't say the wrong thing or <laughs> I always had one once that was like, the way you do business is wrong. Oh. I was like, okay. Like, you can't possibly believe the things you believe about that. And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, what? And so, like, I mean, I've never come that, gotten that like direct thing from sure. it. Yeah. Um, but it was about like how, like, I don't maximize every dollar. Like, I'm trying to enjoy oh. this thing. And like, I'm, I'm trying to. Like, he's like, no, you've, you need to do things these ways because it's more like you'll make more money. And I was like, yeah, but I won't like the thing that I'm doing right. as much. And he couldn't get into his head that like people could want to have a business that does mm -hmm. not like make the every dollar possible. And I was like, you haven't met a lot of writers then or like yeah. artists because like every day they make decisions that are like, well, that's 200 grand I'm not going to make because yeah. I don't want to do that. They're, they're abs it's absolutely counterintuitive. Like I, you know, you know, I've, I, I, you know, I made this conscious effort. Like you know, I, I could, like I, you know, my my business business has has been graphic design for decades, and I go like I could start a firm and I could have employees and I could do that, but I don't want to be the manager. Like I want to be the person doing the work, and it's you know, sure, it might be ego, you know, but the thing is, it's it's a joy factor. Like, I want to solve the business problem with a creative solution. Like, I want to get to that point. So I don't want to, like, sit there and go, okay, so what are the objectives for this thing? And have you spoken to, the, like, just, I don't want to be hand-holding. I hate hand-holding. Drives me yeah. crazy. So, yeah. 
And I think oh. we have, we live in a world where yeah. people always think you have to go to the, everyone wants to go to the next thing. Like everyone yeah. wants to go from the laborer to the uh, office worker, to the manager, to the owner. And like, I just, I, I think that the more that I see, the more I understand that, you know, you can, if you just want to be the writer or like the, 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 the graphic designer or, mm -hmm. You know, you want to work very like with clients one on one or whatever. Like this, this life is very hard, yeah. and uh, we shouldn't all be trying to run 500, 700 person businesses. Like I'm a very good publisher, but I don't want to publish anyone's work but my own because right. that takes me away from making my own stuff. I no, I I totally get that. I absolutely get that. Um, so let's talk. Let's talk about the the, the writing thing. Um, I you I, I you I got on your uh, your newsletter so you've been sending some really nice and compelling newsletters kind of telling your story which i think have been great to read and in there uh discussed your uh, i guess your first sort of foray was into screenwriting i guess years ago and yeah. how you got real close you know but it just didn't come together and it was sort of like one of these things you could either just throw your hands up and kind of walk away from the dream of taking from what's in here and putting it out into the world in some form or take another swing at it and you did so we're we're like like what were your first sort of like were you writing stories as a kid or were you one of these people who kind of sort of hit a sort of a threshold where you're like i've got to tell stories like because i know i know there's a like kind of two people when it comes to story story makers and uh, I always thought it was more the second, but my yeah. mother a couple of years ago gave me a folder, a very large <laughs> folder with all sorts of like poetry that had been published when I was a kid and like newspaper articles they had written and all sorts of, I was the editor in chief of my yearbook. Oh, okay. um, so like, you know, thinking back on it, I think I was more story driven than mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I initially thought. Um, but I mean, I helped uh, write a one act play when I was in high school with like a bunch of a group of people that went to state. So, I mean, I, I think that I, I always, I clearly always was a storyteller because like my mother showed me, but I would not have thought of it until, uh, until she, and she never really, like I'd been saying this stuff for years. She's like, okay, okay, okay. And then like one year I went home for Christmas. She just like handed me this. Well, but so, I mean, but that's, it. I mean, that's interesting, you know, because you know, like, I mean, everybody has like this memory of themselves and, and growing up, but it's really curious that you didn't think that was the thing. Um, so like, what, what, like, what did you think was that? Was it, did you like, did you have like a friends that you saw who were writing stuff all the time? And you thought like, boy, they're really, they're just writers. They're writing those crazy stories. And, or like, how did you, view the world in that sense the group that i hung out with very much wanted to be filmmakers we okay. wanted to be quinn tarantino robert rodriguez kevin smith yeah. like in that in that indie yeah. vein and that's the kind of stuff that we talked about and thought mm -hmm. about and like yes writing directing was part of that but i was very much more interested in the directing part i started okay. actually acting and then directing and then like cinematography and then eventually moved to directing so i was I was much, very much like filmmaker oriented and it really confused me how uh, like a decade after college, like nobody made a film and I did. And I was like, but we were all, this was the thing. And like, you know, right. they all moved on to do, have families and, 
you know, all of this stuff. And, and I'm, I'm always very, very confused even today, how I'm the one who still makes stuff and nobody in my school who was way, way more talented than I was, right. uh, 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 has done the same. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, I mean, it's, it's super interesting because I think we all, like, we grow up in like, there's always these definitions that you see around, you know, oh, that person's a sports person, that person's the smart kid, that person's the whatever kid. And, uh, and I, you know, I think I was always the kid who was like the second best artist in the public opinion of the, you know, of the, of the, my peers in school or, but it was really interesting to see, like, you go back, you know, now I look back and like, there's friends of mine, like I have a friend of mine from high school who's published four five novels. Now, didn't know, like would never, I never would have pegged it, but you know, but his, his books are great. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. He clearly like, he clearly was, so something was going on upstairs for him all those years. Um, but like it, but it's interesting. Like you had like this vision of, so I guess your vision was like, probably like at, at, at the age of 14, you're like, you, you sort of, you like the dawn of whatever that sort of like sense of self and coolness as a sort of more mature individual comes into play and you're like, Oh, well it's film for me. Like, you know, as you were saying, it's Terrence. Yeah, it, was, you know? it was watching clerks. I remember yeah. because clerks had, was made for like $26,000 on credit cards. And like, this was back in the nineties and yeah. I went to Sundance and like he had a whole career. And like, I just said, Oh, you could just make stuff. Yeah. Like you could just make it. And yeah. I mean, it's very risky to put 26 grand on a credit card and it worked yeah. out for him. And I kind of, um, embodied that spirit for my whole career. I mean, it, these are all books that I have made with no yeah. one's permission and uh, <laughs> movies and stuff. It's just, I, 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 ha I had very deep and visceral uh, connection to this, like, you could just make stuff. Like, you could just, right. and maybe it'll be bad. Maybe it'll be great. Like, maybe people will respond to it. Maybe it won't, but like, you can just do it. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, so you're, so, I mean, like the, but I get, I get the draw, like I get the draw of like, of those films. I mean, they, they, they were really, really strong messages in the time of like, there was like, there was like, okay, there's a new voice of cinema that's coming out. And I know I'm obviously I'm lumping these, you know, these makers together, but it was very different than what was happening in the eighties. So there's this huge sort of sea change not on a giant financial scale, but it was a, this thing happened and people are like, oh, we can really do this. And I think what we have is a sort of that modern indie film is, you know, is that result of those films that were these really sort of singular voice films, movies, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I, so like, you know, you're, you're sort of your idea, like, oh, I want to do direction, you know I mean? Cause everything you sort of stated was very visual. You know, these were like cinematography, the obviously direction, like, but you're writing and you're writing a lot. So the, 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 the you know, what was the, like, what's that shift for you? I mean, were you saying, okay, now I'm going to write scripts or did you like, how did you, how, cause I mean, things have to happen for people to make these sort of changes in their life. And sure. so I, uh, when you're a cinematographer, when you're really anyone but the writer, like you're waiting for somebody else. I mean, as a writer, you're also waiting for other people to like buy the thing. Or, but yeah. like everyone is waiting in line for the script. Yep. And um, as I worked backwards, I worked backwards kind of from acting to like editing and cinematography. And then you have to be hired by like a director. And I was like, okay, I'll do directing. And then uh, I got in a pretty bad car accident in 2008. 
Mm. Um, and I, I, then I couldn't direct or shoot photography. I was a fashion photographer and like I did a whole bunch of other stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but I started doing these shorts pretty much right out of college. I, I went like 35 grand into debt or something to buy all this gear, sort of making shorts. And then we made a movie in 2007 and it just, I, I sort of kept being on sets and saying, but these are not good. Or like, these are like, I could do this or right. like, like, why am I waiting for someone to hire me when I could, and I'd had some very cool, like I went to Denmark to shoot a movie um, once. And um, I had like a lot of cool experiences directing like horror stuff and uh, not directing, uh, shooting like horror stuff and things, but it always came down to like, I needed somebody to rely on somebody else. And I'm not getting any younger, even at 22 or 23, I was like, I'm not getting any younger. Like Kevin Smith directed Clerks when he was, I forget now, 23 five or 26 and yeah. i was like if i want that kind of trajectory like i need to get going mm -hmm. and the only option really was to make to write a script to like write yeah. the thing because then once you write it you can cast it once you cast it you can direct it once you direct it you can edit it yeah. and um and so it really came pretty pretty out of necessity for me i didn't i didn't super love the first thing that I made, but it was supposed to be a stepping stone to the next thing. It's still out there. Yeah. I think that, I think that still is a very competently made, well acted, um, uh, mumblecore type web series. Okay. Um, but like, it was not supposed to be the only movie I made. It was supposed to be the movie we made very quickly that we could then use to get funding for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next right. thing and the next thing. And then seven years went by of editing uh and uh and then other stuff i directed other stuff that fell through I directed another um web series called save point uh that never came through because the, the 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 effects stuff fell apart after afterwards and then the right. producer moved on uh i did a, a a reality show um i also was an executive producer of this internet television network called uh, 100 Dimensions for a while. So I would make my own, I made my own TV show there and, cool. and, uh, and, 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 and did all this stuff. But it just, it just, it took so long and it was so yeah. many people involved that the scripting is like, I don't want to say it's pure, but much the way that art is, it's like you start with a blank canvas mm -hmm. and then like, there's a thing afterwards. And like, then there is an anchor and a colorist and a letterer who does all this stuff. But like you, aren't waiting for anyone to make that thing. And that's what's always appealed to me about writing. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's in my, my, my wife is a, is an artist. So like it's, you know, you know, we, so we, we get grouped in as you know, the artistic, Oh, you guys are artists, you know, I'm like, I'm not an artist. Like I, 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 I do work for other people. Like I, I draw comic books for a company or I, design a you know a logo or a website for another company but like i'm not an artist i'm like i'm solving you know other people's problems and you know i had to come up with my own like a definition you know like you know uh, you know the designer solves you know an answer you know, a question for everybody hmm. and an artist solves a question for themselves and it was like this kind of like thought process and, and like when you were saying this permission thing like it totally like like wrung out like that. That's really the thing is that you don't have to like, like you said, no one's saying like, Hey, Russ, I'm going to call you Russ here in this story. Um, like, Hey Russ, like, would you mind writing this book for us? And it's like, 
if you got that call and if the money was right, you'd be like, well, okay, if I can fit in my schedule, I'll do it. But it's not something you want to do because it's not what you want to do. And I will say that I've gotten much more because I do con contract work as well. And it's yeah. gotten a lot. It's a, my, my life has gotten a lot different since I've written like 40 books and like I have a body of work. Like I yeah. would say when I, when I was starting, I wanted a body of work. Like uh, I, that's not even all of them. But I know, like that's not 40, but that's um, a lot. I mean, that's uh, yeah. nonfiction and fiction and, 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 and anthologies. And like, I just wanted to be able to say, you like, comics yeah. here's this 16 issue comic i did like here's this 10 book series like i wanted to have a body of work and while i was working on that body of work i didn't want it to be owned by other people i want to be able to do whatever i want with it yeah. like i don't want to be in kindle unlimited or any like i just want to have it i want to have and i want to be able to do anything i want with it um yeah. but as i been doing this now for over 10 years um and now i've written just so many books uh, that I feel like I'm more, well, I feel like I'm a good enough writer to write someone else's work, which I didn't feel, I feel like it's a different skill writing your own things, doing that well and writing mm -hmm. someone else's vision well. Yeah. And I think that I wasn't very good for a long time at hearing someone's vision and then being able to say, I know how to interpret that correctly. Sure. Um, that's, I mean, that's a skill set that you have to develop. That's not, I mean, I mean, maybe there are rare, you know, rare instances where that's a natural ability, but you do have to go through the talking to people and then going, okay, is that it? And they go, well, not exactly. And then you have to kind of, you, you learn the things that you really are picking up and, you know, gaining that information from micro gestures. Did you happen to watch our episode with Alex Segura? Um, I didn't. If you haven't, check it out because Alex um, is a writer, comic book writer and uh, working with Archie for years. And but he also wrote the uh, novel, a Poe Dameron, Dameron novelization book mm. for Star Wars last year. I think it was last year. Um, and, you know, I mean, it was one of those things where like he had been writing a whole bunch of stuff. But then all of a sudden he gets his call saying, do you want to write a Star Wars book? You know, there's and. Right there's only one three letter word that comes with that, you know? So he was, you know, and it's an interesting thing, but like, I bet you, like, if the question you sort of paralleled your thought process, he would be like five years or a few years before that. He probably would have been like, I don't know if I could do that. You know, that's a, it's, it's. Yeah. I and I just don't, it wasn't even like, I probably was skilled enough to do it, but I wasn't yeah. confident in being sure. able to say, like, I just, I've spent my career doing my own thing. And mm -hmm. I, I, you know, now people give me off, like, are like, Hey, you want to write this? You want to write that? Also for a long time, people just thought I was self-publishing and that was like the thing. Like I was like doing my own thing. And yeah. so I've spent the last year or so telling people, no, I don't like only, I work with a bunch of anthologies. I'm in a bunch of anthologies. I, 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 I write stuff for, for, for other people in a small way and I'm ready to do it in a big way. Yeah. But yeah. I think that it was, there, there's something about, I've always appreciated about uh, like people who work for Marvel and DC mm -hmm. and who, who fulfill other people's visions because like they, they can see that they can take the micro just the micro expressions and they can take the, like what, what someone says and then what they really mean. Cause they've heard it a dozen times and they can yeah. do that. They, they can, they can feel out a market in a way that like, I, I haven't traditionally been able to do that. Cause I'm just making my own thing. Right. Um, so I feel like, that is a like that is a a, a very a, a skill that that like takes a long time to develop. 
for me, it took a long time to develop in Maine. Yeah, it's it's a, I mean, it, you know, I mean, I can't, I, you know, there was a, someone said it recently and it was something like, is it like the difference between writing your own thing and writing something for, for, for like Marvel, you know, like you're doing it, you know, when you write something for Marvel or DC or any other publisher, you're writing something in a, in a direction where you love the characters, but that doesn't, the, the, the product doesn't love you back. Mm -hmm. um, but when you write your own thing, it's a two-way street, you know, like it, you're, you're, you're giving and receiving in, in a, in a, in a sort of a creative and emotional fashion. So it's kind of cool. So, all right, films, story, you know, you're doing, you're doing this stuff. And then it sounds like you, you hit, you hit a sort of a point and what, like, so what happened to you? Like, what did you say that you were like, you know, you were like, I'm going to, been this $35,000 worth of, you know, five-year-old film equipment and, and, and go get that job at the, uh, at the, the whatever factory or like, how did you like shift like your, your, your creative sort of drive because you were making stuff for yourself, but like, how did you, well, there was a, there was a pretty clear break. I got in a car accident, was in a neck what? brace, couldn't direct okay. stuff. And then we moved to Los Angeles, got married and moved to Los Angeles within six months, but then Six months, I got in a car accident, mm. lost my job. Uh, I got married, moved to Los Angeles. There was a pretty, and I had to sell a bunch of my gear to afford moving and all of that stuff. So, <laughs> like we, uh, 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 so that was a pretty clean break. Yeah. And for those six months, I really couldn't do anything but write. And someone okay. had told me years ago, like your first ten scripts are going to suck. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm stuck in a, in a basically like on my couch for six right. months. The other thing I do is like go to physical therapy. So like, I guess I'm just going to write and I'll just write 10 crappy scripts. And then maybe I'll, I'll get that. I'll figure out one. And one of them became my father didn't kill himself. And um, one of them became something else. And then I got one of those optioned at a very, very small company. And, uh, and it, it ended up being like, uh, like, like I fell in love with it because I could do what I wanted even. And, right. and, and when we moved to Los Angeles, I pretty soon after that, uh, had a script, had two scripts, one for this show called Wannabes and one for this show called Gumshoes, um, which got me my first manager okay. in 2009. And then we tried to do all the things that you do and just like do all the, and it wasn't really working. Um, uh, and, and then one day he worked at this company that um, had the license for, for that like, had made Halloween. It's like, but they're the, like, they did Halloween okay. and, um, and he had like stacks of comics and he did a Halloween comic and, and all of this stuff. And he's like, have you ever thought about making this into a comic? And hmm. like, I hadn't read comics in a long time. Um, and I was like, well, I haven't read these since like the nineties. Like I'm not really into like big muscly things and stuff. And like, superheroes. Right. And he's like, oh, look at those guns that you got there. Of course you are. <laughs> well, he just took, he took, um, he sent him a big stack. And was like, yeah. here, just read these. Oh wow, okay. And then cool. tell me, tell me what you think. And I read them, and I was like, like a movie, a bad movie, costs like a hundred thousand dollars to make. Yeah, like a, a movie with like no budget and like, sure. Like, I mean, it could take cost less, but like this was 10, 15 years ago, so like yeah. there wasn't like Canon XL one camera. Like there were like very right. basic rudimentary things. So like it cost my the movie that I made cost like forty thousand dollars. Like it was very basic. Right. Um, two people walk into a walk into a camera, talk, and then like there may be some B-roll, and like that's yeah. the whole that's the whole thing. And so I was watching, reading these comics, and they were doing, I mean, the things that comics do. Yeah. 
And I was like, I was, I was, I was like, how much do these cost? And like, he told me like, it costs less than 10 grand to do like a trade of a comic. And I was like, wait, you can <laughs> like, I can make this, which I can make a book that looks as good as a Marvel DC book. Right. Which is, you can't do that with independent movies. Like you can, like, even if you, no. even if you, right have a hundred grand like even if you have all the best equipment like you, you're not going to make a book that a movie that looks like a blockbuster movie you're just not going to do you, it. you could do almost like five to ten seconds of like a hollywood level film for a hundred grand you right. know but but no special effects this would just be like purely lighting and camera quality like yeah there you yeah go. exactly so you would get so i was like i could do a whole thing uh -huh. and like it, it, my, my because i'd made movies like my brain worked for comics. Like it just, it, it, like I, I, I got it like immediately. I, it looked like storyboards. Like I, I totally fell in love with it. And uh, that's when I was off to the races with comics. And then novels came a couple of years later than that. That's cool. So, the, so the, it's, it, I mean, it, it's not too, I mean, it's not too uncommon. I mean, a lot of people that I went to, you know, I went to our college with who were in the comic book program, you know, there was always this sort of like, yeah, I'd really like to direct a movie. You know, and then you get into the comic industry and a lot of the comic book artists were like, I'd really like to direct a movie. So it's a, it's a I mean, it's a natural kind of thing because it is a shot to shot type of storytelling, you know, method. So they have their there are differences that are like structurally different, which the two, you know, things do not cross over. The Venn diagram does not meet. But um, it's really that's interesting. So, I mean, I can see that being a natural kind of fit. Um, but like, I mean, that's a, but there's a lot. I mean. Man, there's a lot of like stuff in your, you know, in your glossing over the six month sort of like period, which is pretty significant. You know, I mean, these are big life changes, you know, having some sort of physical thing happen to your body, which sidelines you for more than, you know, a week of your life is a big thing. Um, losing your sort of your career identity is another big thing. You know, getting married is another big thing. Moving you know, from, you know, a large distance of space to a major city is a big thing. Like all those things are really large and they can break a lot of people. All that kind of stuff altogether can really kind of, you know, unmoor an individual one way or the other. See, I think that it was just, to me, it was the culmination of like me moving, me marrying Karen and moving to Los Angeles were the culmination of things that I've been trying to do for years. Right. Um, we've been trying to move to Los Angeles for years or New York, but we couldn't because either her job or my job prevented it. Okay. So like, it's not that I was happy to like, to get in a car accident, lose my job because of it. But like, you know, right. we got employment, like we got like, I got like, I, 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 uh, I was able to like, to, to, to really see things in a different way. And I think that that's what I appreciate about like being unmoored all the time. I mean, like mm -hmm. if you own a, if you own a business, like you're literally constantly unmoored, like the, your True. whole life is just, you're gonna, one day you're going to be in Los Angeles and then you might be in North Carolina or like yep. whatever. And you, as you get older, you know, my, um, my stepmother died a few months ago and like you suddenly you're like moving going to Ithaca like to, to like right. do stuff and like kind of the unmooring to me is a gift and that yeah. might sound weird but I learned that very young that you I I especially because it was in movies like I was in movies and like that's a very unmooring profession uh all together yeah. where like you could be not working for six months and then in Denmark for a month yep. like um so I, I, I mean, I'm not going to say that it was like easy, mm -hmm. 
but I, I do think that I have been very good at barricading myself from those things, maybe, oh, or cool. being able to Perfect. roll. Yeah. Like, you know, for instance, we started doing, I started doing comics and they were very expensive and I was like, well, I could do novels. Right. And like, I started writing novels and like, I just, and then I didn't know what I was doing. And then eventually like I, I wrote a bunch of novels and they, that I think my prowess with that overtook my comics. So I was making a lot more of them. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I've just been very good at rolling with the punches and, uh, and, 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 and saying, well, this is what life has to offer. I, I, I read a lot of Taoism when I was a kid and, you know, uh, and not that there's a lot, ton of Taoist stuff and like, it's a very simple, relatively simple, um, religious philosophy, which is basically like one of the big things, is, like if you go the way of the river, like things are going to be easier than fighting against the fighting yeah. against the current. And so, I mean, I've always wanted, I, I would still direct a movie tomorrow if I could, but like, it's just. Right that's not the path. The path yeah. was like books and movies and, you know, doing and, and, and doing conventions and, 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 and like being out there and becoming this like quote unquote, like guru of making money with books and stuff. And all of that stuff was just like, they were the options available. And on some level, I, I, I I've never stopped, I guess, to think about like, wow, that's a big bunch of stuff that happened because to me, they were just like, well, you move to, you get married to Karen or you don't, Oh, I'm going to do that. Like, you know, uh, I lost my job. Like I can't work. Like I'm literally right. in a neck brace. Like I, I'm stuck here. Like, what yep. can I do? I can write stuff. And then, um, once we got married, it's like, we started like move to New York. We were going to move to New York. And then mm -hmm. it was, well, let's just try LA. And then like, I was like, right. I got there. I was like, Oh, it's like, it's clearly Los Angeles. Like it's clearly here. And they were just so, like clear, it was clear as me picking up those books and my manager telling me how much that thing was. And it's like, I'm in comics now. Like if I can do this and like, this is really the price that I can get, make these books for, like I'm in comics now and like yeah. the movies can come or not. But um, you just, I've, I've, I've always tried to have, to be as valuable as possible with, with writing, with, with, with life, because um, there's kind of no other option. I got a chronic illness. I've had Gray's disease since I was like in my late twenties, which is, thir uh, no, yeah. Like 13 years now. Okay. And like, you just, someone got, like someone got, gave me mono when I was yeah. in college and like that led to this and that led to this other thing. And that led to this other thing. And that led to, I probably couldn't even direct movies if I wanted to now, because like, I just am in, like, I'm, I'm, I, uh, so I can, I can, I can rue that. Yep. Which sometimes I do. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm, I'm sure. like, I, I rue it sometimes, but more often than not, what I try and just say is, okay, like what is the opportunity here? Like what is the thing that, how can I make a thing and in the container that, yeah. that it'll, and I think that artists generally, people generally are very bad at that. They're very bad at saying, these are my limitations. Like, what can I make using these limitations? And, and that that can be when you're first starting to write. You know, the first book that I wrote was a middle grade fiction novel because I knew it didn't have, the prose wasn't as complicated as a, a YA or adult novel. So sure. I, uh, I wrote them much, the chapters much shorter. The next book I wrote in blog posts, because I've been writing blog posts for a long time. And yeah. like it wasn't, and so like, these were limitations that I was like, I can write a really good this thing. How can I, how can I set it in the container that, that will make it great. 
and will make me be able to do this. Where do you think, I mean, where do you think that, like, where do you think you pick, develop that? Because I mean, that's, that's a really like, it's a very prescient skill set to have, like, you know, something to be, to be that aware. I mean, do you think it was from the early years of, you know, reading Taoism and, and being sort of present to your environment and your, and your world and saying, okay, because I mean, listen, you can fight the river and you can, you know, really be angry that you're not up at that Island that's higher up in the river where everybody seems to be having a great time or you can say, ah, oh, but you know what? There's a real great eddy. If I just, Go over here there's a great eddy that i don't have to fight so much and there's a lot of stuff that comes swirling in there throughout the day um my like, dad was a big component was a big fan of counter cyclical living which was when where, where everyone where, where, go where people aren't okay and i think that was very like that was very uh helpful in just this like idea that like it's not going to be like just because everyone wants it doesn't mean that like it's good and also like just because you're not in with the in crowd doesn't mean you can't have a lovely parking spot just like two rows over and you walk for 30 more seconds and instead of being frustrated for 30 minutes trying to get a space in the front you just get a space in the back and like you still saved yourself probably 20 30 minutes of or 10 minutes because you're not going through all of the parking spaces and oh my gosh it's such, I remember, I remember coming to that awareness of whatever age it was where I'm like, I'm just going to pull in the parking lot and park. Like I, cause then you would see the same people who were in, who pull, who were before you still driving around looking for something up front. I'm like, why? Yeah. And I think that that kind of idea, I mean, not the exact idea, but it's very similar to like yeah. working in creative field where it's like, everyone is trying to direct a Marvel movie or write for DC or do all this stuff. But like, I don't know. Like I parked, I parked a little further away, and I think I've had a pretty good career. You know, I made audio dramas and audio books and 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 and, and TV shows and novels and everything. Yeah. No. I mean, so I mean, let's get let's get into that because I mean, I think I mean your your output is 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 amazing. It's impressive, and I want to I want to talk about your your sort of your day your daily process a little later, but like. You're do, I mean, you're doing a wide, wide variety of work and, and, and all in the, you know, in the written form, whether it's audio or, or somebody else producing it in a visual fashion, but like you, that, that's, that's, it's a lot of stuff. So, I mean, like what kicked it off for you? Like, were you, like you said, the first thing you did was a comic book, right? Like well, when I made the movie. Right. And, uh, yeah. But I mean, like but, the comic. Oh yeah. The comic. So I did a. At 2000 and I had my manager in 2008 or nine or something like that. And mm -hmm. I had these two scripts, um, wannabes and gumshoes. And when he told me about the, 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 um, the comics, I decided to make this eight page ash can for the wannabes, which is about fake superheroes. that get real superpowers. And, um, I mean, the name of my company is wannabe press because that's the logo. <laughs> like the logo is like just. I asked my logo designer to take off the S and just make wannabe. I'm like, that, yeah. that, 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 that's the company. Um, and so I went to San Diego Comic-Con 2010 and I thought it was, I thought it was it. Like I had this really nice comic. Um, it looks, it still looks pretty today. It's so cute. It's I'm set in this world where like, um, uh, like this just Titan like died on this on, on earth and yeah it released all of this energy and each of these energies, like a superpower basically. Okay. And like, it cool. kind of goes to find the most 
courageous or per, uh, person that's feeling once when, when someone dies. Yeah. So this big superhero who got like five powers dies. And meanwhile, there are these kids who um, there these kids who are like playing superhero. Like they're just like cosplaying superheroes and like doing their own thing. And they end up like with these powers. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's still, I, I read it the other day. Like it's still, I found it after not <laughs> reading it for like years. And I found it again. I was like, this is still like cute. I mean, it's, it's like not the most, it's not the greatest concept that's ever existed, but like it's super cute. And so right. I went down to Comic-Con and like, it looks great. I went out to Comic-Con. I was like, this is it. We're done. Like I'm, I'm, I'm selling this thing. Like everyone does. Everyone does. Sure. Like, like I've never met a comic book person that didn't like take their first thing and be like, this is the one that's getting, I'm getting on DC, right? I'm getting like, they're right. going to hire me for Spider-Man, uh, Marvel. Um, so I did that and everyone around them rejected me, mostly saying this was in 2010. Things have changed in comics since then. But they were like, why would I make an independent superhero comic when uh, Marvel and DC do it? Now, it sounds silly to say that now because there are so many great independent superhero comics. Mm -hmm. um, but back then, um, I think it was like Invincible was like the thing that like they, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was starting in 2010. Um, but like right. there's just no real superhero, independent superhero comics. And so um, I went, but I, I did it. I went, did the whole circuit. I met everyone. Um, and then I came home bitter and dejected because I'd spent, I mean, it cost like two grand to go to Comic-Con. Like it's right. like expensive and like with printing and the, the, the cost of the books and all of that stuff. So I printed it out and gave it to, actually, no, I didn't print it out and gave it to a bunch of people. That's where I brought my iPad. I didn't even, I was, I was so, I didn't even know that you're supposed to print them out. Mm -hmm. So I went to Kinko's and printed a bunch of copies out for people. Okay. Um, uh, and I came back and I was very dejected because like, this was the shot. Like this was sure. the thing. Like I had, I convinced my wife to like do it. And um, I, I, she'd been, she'd been very supportive up until this point. Like none of my stuff had ever made any money. And still she's like, go and do these things. And yeah. so her. I, um, I was like, everyone has one of those, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're doing this, if you, if you succeed, like maybe I'd be like a wife, but a friend or a mother or somebody who's like, yeah. nope. Don't quit. Just keep doing it. Um, and uh, and every time I was like, I should quit and get a job. She's like, No, you'll hate that. Right. Um, so I came home, and I was very bitter. I was very, very, very bitter about it. And you can and and uh, I was like, You know, if I'm going to do this again, I'm making like the book I want to make. Just okay. the literal like you could you could you can track these things from like independent creators of any kind who just like this is the thing like they do the yep. pitch that's like the movie pitch then they go okay like I'm gonna do what I want and I was cresting over the hill of the 405, the 405 in Los Angeles uh, has this big hill before you get into the valley and it's like mm -hmm. it's a very dangerous hill if you think about it but like it goes very very high and then you crest it and like you see the whole valley pretty much in yeah. front of you. And I was there and I got this idea for Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter, which is about a psychopath that escapes a mental asylum thinking he's a hero, doesn't yep. know if he's killing monsters, humans, or it's all his whole head the whole time. Yep. Um, and we've done three volumes. The fourth one launches in September. But we, uh, this was like the, like, and I didn't think this was going to be the thing. Cause like I was like, this is so weird because like, like he's, he's definitely evil. Like, right. before, like he's, 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 um, he's like, he's, he, he's been, he's been tried and convicted of killing people. So like, he's not society has said he's a bad person, um, but I didn't want this. There's some other books around the same time that were like similarly, but like they were actually about like bad people. I wanted right. it to be more like ambiguous, whether he was bad, which is why he has these like big, like blue eyes. Yep. Um, but 
and I want him to feel like a, a sympathetic character. Uh, but I, I did five pages of this and I was like, this is never, this is never good. I did a book called Paradise as well at the same time, uh, which was a very much more convoluted concept. And like we did one issue and like, I still like it, but like it's a very convoluted concept of like a town that's frozen and then wakes up a hundred years in the future. Um, so I, I, but I pitched Ichabod and like a company bought it or a company offered to publish it. And I was like, yeah. oh, I got to make it now. <laughs> make the yeah. whole thing now. And so um, we did that. And then we had a falling out with that company. Yeah. Uh, and it happens. Uh, happens. Uh, they, they, didn't, they, didn't want, they didn't want to print, do print run. They just wanted to do ebook. Right. And so they, at some point they were like, we're not, you can do a Kickstarter for it. And I was like, if I'm going to do a Kickstarter for it, like I'm just going to make it. And they were like, you can do that then. Bye. Right. Yeah. It's nice. Like it wasn't like the whole Action Lab situation now. Like they were very sure. much like, cool, whatever, like, bye. Um, and uh, at the same time, I had done this. I, but while I was making the, that, I had this pitch for uh, this web series that I had written called Katrina Hates the Dead, which yeah. became uh, Katrina Hates Dead Shit in the in the in the uh, hardcover and then Katrina Hates the Dead in the in the ebook. And it was originally two volumes two um, just the first two issues. Mm -hmm. I was going to do it also with Viper. Um, which was a company and they, uh, and they, then we had a falling out as I was making it. And I was like, Oh, well, I don't want to do a, like a one shot of this. Like, I, so I ended up making it this big epic thing. So like the first two issues are the web series, which are also places one town pretty much during this one day. Mm -hmm. And then they like, it like breaks open and becomes this like big, like zombie <laughs> mythological fantasy book, which ends up being the gods versus chronicles was where that was, was that right. series started. Yep. Um, so yeah, I had these two books and, uh, and, um, the, the mon money came from the, uh, car accident. Okay. And got like a check. And I was like, and instead of like saving it, like a normal human, like I was sure. like, Hey Karen, I should make, I should use this to like make comics. And you were investing uh, it, Russell, you were investing it. Yeah. Well, I mean, clearly now, now it's clear that that is accurate, yeah. but like yeah. back then I did not know that. Oh. So yeah, I went from uh, wannab uh, from wannabes to like Ichabod to Katrina, and in that time frame, Gumshoes uh, got optioned uh, in Hollywood somewhere, and I was like, oh, I need a, I need a book, and it, this needs to be like a book. I, can't, I don't just want it to be like a thing. And so I, um, so I wrote the the, the first episode of Gumshoes as a novel, okay. and then that became, and then the second, and then. Another book got option. Another script got option. My father didn't kill himself, and I was like, "Oh, this should be my second book." So it kind of, it like, it, it's very organically kind of grew from there. What's um, so? What's Gumshoes the first? Was your was Gumshoes your first swipe at writing a novel? Then yes. Okay, so yes. I, I'm going to get a little more granular then, since now you're 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 jumping into my my favorite territory, which is writing novels. So, um, so like. What did you, so, I mean, you had this, you had an outline because you had this, you had the script. So you weren't, you weren't walking into this, you know, sort of discovery writing. You had an outline from beginning to middle to end, but you had a 90 page story, um, you know, in the terms of, in terms of your, your film. So the question is, is like, what did you do when you approached that to sit down and start writing prose? Did you go, all right, like, did you have an idea how long you wanted the book to be? 
Yeah. I, so I knew that I was not prose was my weakness, the uh -huh. prose part of it. So I knew that the stru structure was good because it got options. So like sure. it had to be good enough to like, people liked it. Right. Um, so I, I kept, I kept the general structure. I kept the general characters, but like, I was very worried about prose. And so I said, well, I should not make this. I like when I was looking for the first book, mm -hmm. um, I was like, I don't, I'm not confident in my prose yet. So I need to, um, uh, I need to write something that has more simplistic prose. And so yeah. kind of looked at the time and I was like, well, YA is a little too complicated. First readers a little too young. So like I did a middle grade book because uh, I thought that I could nail the, the, the prose because it's very, <laughs> it's a very simple prose style. And, um, and then I went about taking the outline, the, 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 uh, the, the script and breaking it down to its beats of like, yeah. okay, this, and and sort of every every scene was like a chapter, right? Okay, that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And then every chapter was roughly four two hundred and fifty word beats. Okay. So um so with a with a um with a, a section a scene heading delineation between them, um and each one would be like following one of the characters in the uh, one of the three main characters of of of, of the book. And I was trying to be very strict with that at first. Where I was like. 250, a thousand word chapters, 250 words each, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, for, for, for four segments. Sometimes it was three, sometimes it was five. Uh, and then, uh, and, and each one had to be like a different setting. And I kind of have kept that less so now, uh, all the way through many of the God's verse books. That's uh, so uh, that's cool. That's, I mean, it's, it's great that you, now, did you do research to get that? Or does this some sort of equation you just kind of figured out on your own or did you say like well i'm looking at a bunch of middle grade books and they're about this and did, yeah, i think you... it was more like uh i think it was more like my own instinct but yeah. i'm sure i mean i've always read a lot about writing before i started and i've, I've been a reader big reader for a long time mm -hmm. um but a lot of it was just i wrote some practice chapters okay like that's how it it, it and I, I i i'm a stickler for like if you set up a a, a like a, a a format yep they like continue it for the whole book. Like I, yeah. I generally don't like, sometimes I will break in and write like a 200 word chapter or like a 10 word chapter or 5,000 word chapter. But like generally um, when I'm writing a book, if the, if the chapters are between a thousand and 1500 words long, like they are all within that same scope. So you know what you're going to get each time. And, uh, and so when I started that book, like you can see it's very formulaic in that it's way. Where like each chapter is roughly the same distance. Yeah, that's interesting. That's that's pretty cool. And like so like with YA and middle grade from the what I've read in that arena, it's the you know it prosaically um you know small small words. Um but one thing I found that was interesting is a lot of repetition. You mm. you because the characters are constantly repeating themselves to, I guess that is the idea is to make sure that the reader uh, still knows what's going on. So we're not losing sort of key, you know, plot threads. Um, well, I think that like, you need to do that in any book that you write. I write, do that in my, I do that in, in, yeah. on, in, 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 in every book that I write, I try and start a chapter rehashing partially what the previous chapter did yeah. or, and make sure that every roughly 20 to 25,000 words, like wherever they are, they are like in a place where they can rehash what's happening because I don't expect people to, to remember what happened a yeah. hundred pages ago. But I, I do, I, I did a, a, a kid's, um, a picture book called the little bird, the bird and the little worm. And the, the theme was repeating the same words repeating. So yeah. yes. Um, I would say that's that's accurate. The other thing that 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 
especially middle grade, um, but um, uh, but YA as well is they're less they're they are more worried about the social status and things and the the the, the social world of the of the create of the of the um of the reader than they are about like necessarily making the plot like move real super fast. Like, and when I did Gumshoes, I very much wanted to make it about these two outcasts who meet this popular girl who, uh, the the book's about a, uh, it's called the case of Madison's father. So Madison is the most popular girl in school. Her father goes missing. These two guys are like dorks. The two, like the two people who have this treehouse and like so like the world's clash and it's about like she being popular and realized and like being like hey come on with me and then being like we can't do that like it's not a it's not our scene and then realizing that that it was that like she realizes that like her bubble is very like inclusive and Mm -hmm. uh, very exclusive and so all of those things are like the plot then happens but like that's the book and that's kind of what i i tried to seed into a lot of my books Less so the gods, less so my long series, but especially my standalones. Like the book is about this, right. but like it's really about this, right? And the 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 theme is the the theme is what's is what the book is about, and your and your plot is the story, and the, you know, and the, you you get to you get to sort of enforce the theme throughout the whole you know plot actions. Yeah. Um, no, I think that a lot of the like a lot of adult books, especially genre books, are very much like there's a plot point, and then there's another one, and it's a lot of weaving between plot points and not so much thematically saying what like Jack Reacher's doing today. Right. Right. Well, typically, I mean, and I love the, I love the Jack Reacher books, but there, there's not a lot going on inside of Jack Reacher as a, as a protagonist. I mean, he's sort of very fixed in, in, in his worldview. Um, Yeah. That's interesting. I, I loved, man, I loved all of those, um, detective books the kid detective books growing up like if there was like if there was a kid who was sleuthing out a problem i was there i loved all those variants you know growing up so they were uh you know so i get i get the instinct you know on your end like yeah that's that's a great you know sort of book that you can write you can take these stories and turn it into that whole thing and when it's very formulaic the nice thing about when you're yeah. trying to write prose is if you're trying to write in let's say fantasy like fantasy is a big genre that like does not have clearly defined plot points. But yep. when you write a mystery novel, Ooh. like, you know, like, okay, there's going to be a, 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 a crime and then there's going to be a clue. Then it's going to be a misdirection. Then there's going to be yep. a, an accusation, a false accusation. There's going to be an accusation. The same thing happens with romance where like, you know, there's going to be a meet cute, then a first date, then a misunderstanding. And then like a get back together and I'm simplifying it. But I think no, that when you're starting to learn prose, it's really it's, it's really nice when you can go into something that is very formulaic because you know, like you have the guardrails. Yeah, no, there 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 is there is a sort of a rough map that you're always going to be to fall back on. You go okay, because you're not going to go like, geez, what happens next? I mean, like the point is, is like here's what happens next. Now, how you make that happen? There's where you can make the magic happen. But yeah, it's it's pretty it's a pretty fun. Um, you know, thing when writing specific genre, but like, I think fantasy and science fiction are, are wider elements to that where people don't expect, I mean, if it's hard, hard science fiction, there's a very strong desire that there has to be good science in there. But, um, 
Well, I think that it's nice to put. So one thing that you that that I always tell people to do is like if you're not going to put that kind of like mystery, or, and you can do that for fan, you can do there's fantasy mystery novels. Oh, there's, for sure. There's there's a uh, there's like same thing with science fiction, but but like put a container on it, make it a road trip, make it a <laughs> make it a a year like Harry Potter is like a year in Hogwarts, yep. or like The Hunger Games is a. Uh, is like this one thing that like yeah. you have 20 and then it goes down to one and like you know how, yep. how like there, there's a container that you can follow and say okay i'm lost what is next okay like we've got 15 kids how sure. am i going to kill the next one or yeah. or oh it's march how am i going to get to april yep no and and, and, I, and I think readers and, and readers by and large appreciate that because they you know like i mean i mean you know to kill a mockingbird there's a trial you know what I mean? Right. Like there's a structure and we're going through this structure. So we, as the reader kind of have an understanding what's going to happen procedurally. And I and think well, that's, that's the most important part for me. The most important part is that, that the reader opens a book and believes you are going to lead them on a journey that will be interesting, but they will end up safe and understand it at the end. So yeah. I always can say like uh, a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. Like you wouldn't go on a roller coaster if you didn't know if you're going to make it out in the end. So like you have to, you, you have to believe that the, that's going to be constructed in a way that you will get to the end. That's a, that's a brilliant idea to have a roller coaster that rolls up with nobody in it every time. Yeah. Cause and then, the roller coaster comes up and everyone gets out, but wouldn't it be great if like it rolls up and people spray it down and they go, okay. Everyone come on, like, and there's just a black hole. Like, where I have goes. a feeling that would not be so popular as a roller coaster because no, people thinking, want. <laughs> that is like you know, but there, there's a you know, that's a that's a oh, that's a bit from a Simpsons thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. boy, I don't know why this isn't making any money. You know, <laughs> so, for sure, for sure. Uh, but like, if you people want to explore their fear or their like enamored in something, like that's why they come to roller coasters. Why they come to books? Like they want, but they don't like. I think the reason that people have a bad time generally in books is like, they are like, Oh, no one knows. What's, I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Literature. That's literature. Yeah. Like the, dis the, the distinction is, is you have genre, you have, you know, genre writing and then you have literature and literature. You don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. You can pick up, you know, a Michael Shaban novel and you're going to go like, well, I have no idea what's going to happen in this thing. And you're going to go on a journey and, provided the author does the right work, you're going to enjoy the journey and you're going to gain from it. But right, but that and but that is something that you know when you pick up a Michael Chabon book, right? Or a yeah. John Irving book. Like you know you're going on a, a journey, but you trust the journey is going to like and so I, I think a lot of when people's resistance to new writers or new writing or new anything is like, I already know the journey. Yeah. I know the journey over here. Like I don't know if you're going to tell a good journey. Totally. Um, it's well, nothing I, about like, oh, this is a new book or whatever, or free. Like people are always, you know, people are always like, here, my a free book for downloading this thing. And I'm like, nobody cares about the free book. Like nobody cares about the free book. Dude. So, you know, I lived in New York city for 25 years. So you, you know, you see it all when you live in New York and the, the hardest thing in New York city to do is give anything away for free. You can stand on the corner like, Hey, here's a free thing. People are like, fuck off. I don't want this because yeah. they don't want, they, it's like, it's so hard. So it, it, you're right. I mean, like people want what they want. X-Men sells X-Men's comfortable. That's like your old pair of shoes. I'm going right. to go, I'm going to go read the X-Men regardless of whether it's good or not.
Yeah. Well, people are desperate for like new stories. So like this is the dichotomy when it comes to like selling books is people are desperate for new stories, but they're scared they're going to waste their time totally. and they don't and they have very few of it. So they yeah. have very little of it. So like a, a free book is a great way to entice people to try your book, your world and then buy more stuff. But like the free book is nothing. The free book is like a bid on a hard drive. Like right. the, the interaction is like, will they read that book and then be, be like, oh, Okay, like oh, this yeah. next one's like three dollars. Whatever, this was five. Yeah, okay, I'll try it, and then become fans of work. Because like once you have fans of your work, then like you are like off to the races because yeah. they'll follow you anywhere. Right, and it's a, listen, it's an investment. Reading is reading a book is an investment. A comic is like that's you know that's an under you know it's like a half hour of somebody's time to sit and read a comic book. But to say hey, you want to read a novel, even if it's free, someone's like. Okay, okay. Like, I mean, I, you know, I had what a dozen or so people read my, you know, uh, beta readers, you know, to read my book. And I was like, it, you know, I, I was like, oh my God, like, I just say anybody can read this stuff, you know, because, you know, I beta read for people and it's like, okay, like, you really have to like put your time into it because it's new and it's unknown. So you really are, you know, you have to really kind of forge ahead. So, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's tough. I mean, it's super tough making that new thing for people, regardless of whatever the media it, medium is. Um, so you got the book, the middle grade book. What did you do with it? I had a publisher, actually. Okay, okay. Um, had about the same thing happened. Uh, basically, I was like, and that's the, the, the uh, picture book yep. also came out from that publisher. Um, but um, they were using Ingram Spark to, to, to like, and I was like, I can use Ingram Spark to do that. So like, I'm just right. going to do that. And so I bought the rights for that, uh, for, for the publishing rights back for mm -hmm. those books. Um, uh, and I then went and did my own thing. And that was about the same time Ichabod, um, the first Ichabod Jones, uh, Kickstarter came on and I was like, all right, I'm. I'm just gonna have my own publishing company then. Like I got Ichabod, I got these two other things, I have a couple of other books that are coming out and started really um started really like rocking and rolling with that. And that was right around 2014. I left my job in 2015. So like it kind of all came to a head at one point where it's like I had Ichabod, I had these other two books, I had like a, a table at San Diego Comic Con in 2015, and like it kind of all like all connected there. And yeah. um, I had paradise, the first issue of paradise also. So like I had like four things on my table and we did these free crappy drawings for people to get people in. And, but like, yeah, I had the, I had the book with the publisher. I got the rights back to the publisher. I got published my first uh, Ich published Ichabod. And then like all of the rest of it kind of exploded from there because then I needed more product to be on my table because people had right. bought the first thing and then people I needed more product and then like then the big break my big break happened in 2017 um uh but before then I was like very much like I just need to keep putting these things out and slowly like building a fan base and yeah. be out in front of them talking to them and then eventually like they will buy yeah. or they will like this will like take to the next level or um, like I will be exhausted and I won't be able to do this anymore. Right. Right. So it's either do or die in that respect. You're like, okay, we're going to get the, we're going to get through this. How did this, how did the Kickstarter start off for you? Like, I mean, you did it, did you have the same expectations as you did when you went down to San Diego 
with your comic for the first time? No, because I've spent years now. So there's a community called Comic Book Sunday in Los Angeles. Um, okay. Uh, and I had spent years in that community at that point. And I would like shown people books and like, when I went to Comic-Con the first time, I was like, I've never done a Comic-Con before. Right. San Diego is my first one. And so I was like, I had no idea what I was doing. I came home and I started like really getting into the community. So like, I, I like, I, I feel like I had like a bunch of friends and like I had a bunch of support. I did not know what it was going to do. Um, but like, I was much more confident than I was um for the uh for the with 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 wannabes because i and i had done two campaigns before so i had done two failed indiegogo campaigns for katrina okay. hates the dead and so i kind of knew what was happening over there i kind of knew what it was like to run a crowdfunding campaign and then like i i did the i when i did the real one the the, the kickstarter one um i learned a whole bunch from those first two campaigns and we had like over 150 backers which was that's literally great. more than I'd ever made in one month before on <laughs> my own creativity. And this was when I still had a job because to go back, I, I really, I, I, I failed like four companies by the time I was 30. It sucked. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, when you fail one company, like you're like, it could be luck. It's yeah. Like two, two companies can be like chance. By the time you get to four, three or four, you're like, oh no, this is like, this is a meat problem like it's, mm. I'm, I'm i'm making the wrong choices like i'm me picking the wrong partners I'm, I'm i'm focusing on the wrong things uh so i was like i need to learn how to sell things right and so i i literally i i got a job at aflac selling insurance and then i got a job at this place called recycler selling um car dealerships like marketing stuff yep. Yeah. And then I finally got a job at Sprint, at a Sprint dealership where I stayed and I moved up from, from, from nothing to like sales manager in like two years Okay, that I was yeah. there. And so I like, I learned how to sell. So yep. like, uh, when I, when I, when I did the campaign, I it was 2014. So I still was at that job. Um, I was, I think I was even maybe sales manager at that point. If not then, then like soon after that, I, I moved up to sales manager. And so like, I knew how to sell at that point. Like I was a professional sales person and I was, I was mostly worried if I could, if those skills would translate to like selling books and yep. a lot of my, all of the work I've done in nonfiction is doing that translation from like, here's what sells, here's what like sales is. And like, here is what like art is. And here is how to make the gap between these two things and like translate that. Yeah. That's the, that's the secret sauce right there. I mean, it, it is, it is, it is being able to target that customer, find, you know, find the customer, target them and speak to them. And yeah, it's a very different because with phones, it's like your phone is broken or I can <laughs> sure. save you a bunch of money with like the thing that we do with books and art is like, maybe less like graphic design or like copy editing, but like for a novel, like no one needs a novel. Like no one, like, like we all want novels. Like they're all like edifying things, sure. but like, they're not like if, if, the, if the whole, and if there's never another novel, a, there'd be plenty of novels to read and be like, um, and be like the world would still keep functioning. The publishing yep. industry would just move to doing nonfiction or whatever other stuff. But like, yeah. uh, so like, it's a different, you have to not appeal towards the things that most people appeal to when you're talking about sales, which is like pain points. You need a new logo, you need sales copy. You, you're about to run a big promotion and you need like imagery, whatever the thing is, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you have to, you have to come from like heart-based selling, which is, yep. which is, you know, like edifying of the soul. You have to make a connection. It's like a whole different approach, but it is also the exact same approach just with like different 
words and 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 other analogs like that yeah. there are other analogs that exist in the in the world this is not just like books but it's it's like the same but also entirely different yeah yeah no no i i i totally i totally get it um so i mean but that's it i mean it's so it you i mean not too long obviously you said 2014 then 2015 you you sort of you know cut cut the rope and you went off on your own completely um in a, in in business so that's a pretty pretty bold move um and so but the way to do it is to as you said you needed to keep putting new things on the table so how did you like how did you say okay how do i make new stuff like what was your what was your thought process in developing new work to put onto your table Sure. So 2015, I did not leave my job by choice, but I also wasn't fired. So I, I wanted another year to get all this stuff set up. So I was okay. already like, I was, I'm not like a job kind of human. Like I'm not a job person. Like I'm yep. a, I'm a be on my own, like do my own thing kind of person. Um, but like I, I needed more time. Mm -hmm. um, so I left in 2015. I started my own. I, I started my own Verizon dealership that like okay. made a lot of money. The, made made most of the money that first year. We made like 50 grand the first year, and probably like 40 of it was uh, was the Verizon dealership. Um, the next year we made 50 for a whole year. We made 40 for half a year. We made 50 or something like the next year in 2016, okay. which is like double the amount of time yeah. for making almost the same amount of money. Sure, so, right. uh, so. And, and I and, and that 2016 was like we had launched a couple of novels that I had already written. So I think the biggest thing was like I had stuff already mm -hmm. in there. People are always trying to start stuff with like one project, but like I didn't do that. I had a I had a jobs, but B I had like a bunch of I Ichabod, Ichabod one. I had Katrina one that was had been done for years. I had multiple novels. I had a picture book. I had a sketchbook. Uh, I drew a comic book while I was at yeah. that job. I drew a comic book called Gherkin Boy and the Dollar of Destiny. So like I had that on my table. Right. So I had like six books, but I, that I had made over the course of, let's say one year from 2010 to 2015. Mm -hmm. um, and, but we didn't have, because we were made like 50 grand sounds like, it's like a good salary, right. but like, it's not good revenue. No, it's, right. Sure. Uh, because like it's all going out so like we didn't have a lot of money to then pay for like new production so um i i i, I that's why i started doing anthologies gotcha. um, pretty heavily and um i did an anthology called monsters and other scary Shit, which we put together in 2016 and my idea was that um if i brought together a bunch of people who all did roughly the same kind of books as i did but all had little <laughs> audiences like not random other people, like people that all did like monster books or like fantasy or sci-fi or like horror books in the way that I did. Yep. And I could, and I got 50 of them or whatever, 30 of them and being like 50 or 50 people or something across like 224 pages. If I brought all them together, then like I could show these people's audiences, like what an awesome book I did. And like, yep. maybe some of them would, and we ended up uh, doing $25,000, which if you remember the year before was half of my income. Right. Totally. Uh, so, uh, so 25 grand from that book. And then my other theory was if I did another book right after that, that mm -hmm. was like similarly in tone and style and art of the cover, uh, they which could was be like, oh, I like that 
let me grab this. Yes. And so the next book raised $25,000 for a graphic novel that I just did. It was me and one other and one artist. So it went from 50 people to like one person. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, then we had some wiggle room. Then we were like, okay, what do we want to do? And that's when 2017, I was like, I did the Cthulhu is hard to spell book because I went back and I was like, how do I do a better one? How do I do like right. a better one of these? And uh, so I, I went and Cthulhu was hard to spell. Like it has Cthulhu right in the name. I was like, that's our, my, my fandoms kind yep. of like number one or number two um, behind Invader Zim. So the artist doesn't draw, does the character design for Invader Zim, did the cover for that, just like he did for Monsters and Other Scary uh, Shit. Has Cthulhu right there. Like we brought in even, like, did all color. We like fixed kind of all the problems that people had told us about the first book. Mm -hmm. And uh, we raised $40,000 on that book from over a thousand people. And like, once you've got thousands of people buying your books, like things become like your next move becomes a lot easier to, to plan because you're like, I'm probably going to be able to keep some of these people. Yes. Um, so that was 2018. And then, then uh, by that time in 2018, I've been writing novels pretty consistently, like a novel a month for like, ended up with like a novel a month for 18 months, basically. So what, what's your page count? I mean, what's your page count in your in your books then? Uh, it, depends. it goes from writer's curiosity, 50 to 90. Okay. Something like that. They're usually around, uh, those ones were a lot shorter though. Um, what I ended up happening is I wrote three books and then I combined them into, compiled them into one book. So mm -hmm. I really wrote like one book, one like 120,000 word book over the course right. of like three months. Um, but like they were like, each one was like 30, like 40 to 50,000 words okay. for those ones. Yeah. Um, and you can, they're all the gods versus chronicles is when that all started. Um, and the reason I started doing novels very heavily was two reasons. Uh, the first was that I just didn't have enough shows mm -hmm. and like artists were off doing work and like I needed to do something. Yep. Uh, so I did something I did, like I, I did that, that like, I, I was like, well, I can do novels. Sure. Um, because like, I don't need anyone except an editor. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, the second reason was I knew I needed in order to sell novels, you really need like a series, like a long series, like a 10 book series for a novel, like, especially in fantasy, which is what I write. So I like, I was like, I have to write a lot of, in order for me to actually like get through this thing of like trough and like actually make money doing like books, like, like mm -hmm. books. I really need like 10 books in one series. And uh, that was boring to just write one, 10 books in one series. So that then I would space it out and write one book in one series then another book in another series and then go back and forth. So after like two years, I had like 20 books Yeah, because sure. I was just going back and forth between these series and, and, and also trying new stuff because um, that's always been a thing that I really, uh, I really try to do with my writing is every new series, I try to add something else to my toolkit so that I can, like, I was very bad at romance for a long time. And like, yeah. so I did a book called Invasion, which was like very romance heavy. And then now Obsidian and Spindle, it's very romance heavy and, um, and, 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 and other stuff. So each series that I had, I kind of was like, okay, what do I want to learn? So like, even though the books maybe not sold so well, I like learned of something that would help in the main series that I was writing. Right. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, that, that, I mean, that's the goal. Like every single time you sit down to write 
the next book? Like, what are the things that you can do to make this better and better and better each time around? Um, and it's a challenge. Now, uh, let's let, let's get a little process in, and then we'll and then we'll talk about uh, talk about your latest anthology uh, coming out. So, um, what's your day like? What is the what is the you know cockadoodle do? I get up well. Recently, I've been getting up before six. Generally, I get up at six. Um, okay. I start work between eight and nine. Well, I I then feed my dogs, assuming they want to get up when I get up. Uh, <laughs> I walk them. Um, I sit on my computer usually between seven and seven thirty. My wife comes out for breakfast around seven forty-five, eight. Mm -hmm. um, but between that time, I'm doing all of the admin BS stuff that comes up in a day. You know, I'm I'm uh, answering emails and uploading stuff to Kindle and scheduling whatever stuff I have to schedule, planning, working with artists, whatever. Uh, from nine to about two, I'll do uh, writing. I try to write 5,000 words a day okay, or or edit 25,000 words if I'm in editing mode. I either have, I'm either in writing mode, editing mode, or promotion mode. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and when I'm, when I'm not, when I'm in promotion mode is the only time I'll do interviews before two. Okay. Um, so, uh, and then I have to kind of break it up and do like my morning, then the promotion and then afternoon stuff and catch up later. Um, now I try and do, I try and start earlier in the day. Um, but generally I will do a, um, I also have a one launch day. So like when I launch a book on that day, I have a different kind of day. Cause I have to do, it's a lot of stuff when you're actually doing like a launch day that sure. you have to do, you don't, you don't have to do like day three of a launch just to do like day one, like actually right. hitting the button to launch the book and then like sending yeah. all the emails and getting all the stuff. Like you're not doing that the rest of the launches, even if your launch is a month and a half long. Um, so, uh, so I'll do like 5,000 words. And then, uh, and then I can do whatever I want with my day. I usually, well, before I would work out and I'd read and I do all sorts of stuff. My I'm, I'm, uh, sick now. Yeah. So, like, right. I can't like do all of the stuff that I normally do, but like, usually that I, I try admin stuff in the morning, then writing nine to two and then, uh, red time which is like i can do whatever i want until five then usually five to like six or seven it's mm -hmm. like more admin time sure. or scrolling through facebook up. or something yeah yeah right. trying to figure out marketing activities because that's a lot of a lot of what i do when i'm not writing is like how am i going to market all of this stuff that i like yeah. have that's it yeah no it's it's i mean it is it is a challenge um so i mean for someone who says that they were not very comfortable or that was a weak suit was pros. I mean, 5,000 words a day is a lot. That's not a. Well, yeah, you have to. So I, I did the first book and I was weak at prose. The second book I did all uh, was my father didn't kill himself. It was all blog, blog posts. So it was two girls blog. It was about a, a girl whose father commits suicide and she finds that it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, she, she, and she believes it's a murder and says yeah. that to prove it's a murder. And it's, it's epistolary between these two girls doing blog posts mm -hmm. between those two books. I thought that I, had improved my prose quite a bit. My third book, uh, which is now called "Sorry for Existing," um, is uh, was all prose. It was like a full, it was like a full, uh, like a novel, not epistolary, not like middle grade. And then I kind of moved out from there. So, I mean, yes, I've written now. I think forty novels. Uh, I'm much better at prose now than I was with that first one. Um, but. Are you? I mean, are you? I mean, because like, are you outlining these the books? I mean, because oh like yeah. Oh yeah, okay. I use a I use a I use a process uh, that uh, Michael Moorcock developed about I call okay. uh, about how to write a book in three days. I right. don't write a book in three days, but I do use his outline. Yeah, 
so you're out so you're outlining it it sounds to me like you're if you're writing fifty thousand, you know pay or word novels you're doing a two-week pass so you're you're you, in, in two weeks you get the pass of the book the the book done so to speak now and then do you kick it off to an editor at that point do you set, kick it off to so uh, an reader how do you i start um uh with three edits I used to start with eight edits. So what happened, the sure. main the main difference between me writing now and me writing 2011 is that like it used to take me eight to 10 edits to get a book done. Mm -hmm. um, now, uh, and what, what would happen is every, eventually what happens is like between my, my ninth and 10th revision, like nothing changes. I'm like, well, I don't need that 10th revision now. And then the eighth right. one and kind of like, so now I pretty much do three. I do, uh, I, 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 I do, uh, 25,000 words uh, for this, for a book like that I'm writing now, 25,000 words day one, 25,000 words day two, then I do a, 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 a pass where I read the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then I do a pass for just like a, a general proofing, but really it's a, a look. It's, I, I'm very big on like a book has to look good. Like there can't be too much black, uh, 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 too much black space. The paragraphs can't be too long. Like it has to be varied and look. So I do one for like, look, and then I pass it off to my editor. Um, she does a pass. I do another pass. She does a final pass. I pass yeah. it off to my proofreader. Um, and depending on the book, I pass it off to the other proofreader. Um, and then like it's it's done and it's out. And I, then I format it. Sometimes I format it before I, I send it to the editor. Usually I do it afterwards after I have the whole series all done. All right. Okay. No, that makes and, and I almost always have the cover before I do anything. Really? Yeah. So when you come up with the, so you're, so you're, are you coming up with your title? Like when you sit down, you're like, okay, I'm going to have, the title is going to be, I'm just going to click on one of your books right here, this one. So you go like the wicked witch. And then. So and I then, have a, I have a cover designer that I love, uh, yeah. the creative Paramita. And she does a lot of, um, she does a lot of um, pre-made covers. And okay. so I, I, back then I trolled through all of her covers and I like mm -hmm. found a bunch and I was like, this is the series. Like, okay. and she did the first one she did actually was the wicked witch and the, and not sorry, the sleeping beauty. And it was okay. literally the cover of the sleeping beauty as it is like, that is the cover that she sent that she had. Like that's right. the, that's, and I was like, well, that's the beginning of a series for sure. Um, and then I was like, well, now the, the other books have to kind of fall in the fairy tale theme because that's what I wanted. So I did the wicked witch and the, the um, fairy queen and the red rider. And then like, that was like the first bunch of those, uh, of those books. And then I have eight more that I've written in that series. Um, but usually I will have the cover. There's That's a couple of, there's a, there's a couple of books. I do not have the covers for that. I've now written 40 books and like now I'm not having covers necessarily all of the time. Um, right. No, that's, a, that's really interesting. That's it's cause it's truly the opposite of how everything else gets done. So I love that, that you have this sort of visual sort of flag, you know, sort of like right above your screen that you can kind of look at, you know, as you're writing to kind of get. And I literally do have the back in my background, uh, not, not now, but for years was like all of the covers and I would X yeah. them out as I went through them. Um, but yeah, I have like three or four cover designers that I've kind of look for their stuff and try and get inspiration from, but I've always been very visual, like going back to the movie things. Like I kind of yeah. need the, 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 the theme, the, how the cover is going to feel before I can like get into the, like the, the, the writing of it and like that it's real to me. And also that I like owe it because like, I'm like, Hey, I, I spent $800 on these eight covers, like, or five covers or whatever. Right. Like I gotta, 
I got to do the books now. <laughs> exactly. No, that's listen. That's that's a huge thing because, like, you know, you know, like, hey, hot tip for any designers out there or anybody who's working with clients: get money from them right off the bat, because it's not the matter of the fact that you 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 want to get paid because we all want to get paid, but nothing makes a client want to get a job done quicker than having them have handed money to you because they're like their clock starts ticking if you yeah. just start doing the job and you're like you get paid at the end man the client will drag their heels so you are your own client in this respect and you put the money out and you're like i gotta get this done because i yeah, gotta that's really important too because like i do feel like i'm a publisher and a writer and an editor yeah. and like and and I think it's really important for me. I don't know if it will be helpful to other writers, but to make the distinction of like publisher Russell has a deadline for writer Russell. Right. Like like it's not a immovable deadline. Like I I run a company called Wannabe Press. Mm -hmm. Like these are the deadlines that I impose on writer Russell or editor Russell, and yep. like they are immutable. Now I am so many so many years like past like have like I'm two years ahead of my slate right now. So like. I'm a little bit more lax with like writer Russell than I normally am, but like I, I've I've always been very good at saying like this is my publishing deadline, and like right. publisher Russell needs to do all of the marketing and publishing things, so he needs this book by X day, and then work backwards from there. And it's been very helpful for me as a like person who like likes a deadline to 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 look at it in those like two different things that have two different different. Um, two different jobs and for publishers russell publisher russell's job is that between nine and two he lets russell uh, he lets writer russell write like yeah. that is that is his job he gets to he gets through all of the bs between waking up at 9 a.m and 2 p.m to 7 p.m or whatever whenever whenever i stop but like the job the, the best job that he can do is block off those five hours for yeah. for, for 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 me to write yeah, no, I get it. I, it is. I mean, it, it's crucial. I mean, you know, and, and oh man, like anybody who wants to, wants to write, man, you have to write. You got to write every day. You got to write, and it's and the thing is, is it's going to stink. You gotta you gotta be okay with it stinking. You gotta you gotta get through that because if you think you're waiting for perfection to exit your fingertips, then you can write. You be waiting a long time, so yeah, just that muscle just gets stronger. Also, as you for use sure, it, you know, like so, like if you're writing, even if you're writing 200 words a day or 100 words a day or whatever you're writing a day, like you can build that up. You know, it's like um, when you're when you're when you've not exercised in a long time, like you can't get back and do a marathon. Like you have no. to do like slow and slow and slow, and then like slowly you'll be able to do more. You know, people always ask, how did I get 13 books done in my last year. I got 13 novels done last year. And right. I was like, well, that doesn't include like shorts and anthologies and comics or anything. So like, I got a lot done last year, but I was like, but my first five books took five years. Yeah. Like, yeah. and, and, and I learned tricks to, to, to do then. And I met editors who I trust. Like I wouldn't just send like the thing that I send to my editor. Like I've worked with these editors for a long time before. It's so, like, I know what they're going to give me back. Like I'm not just sending it to like a random editor. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm like much more confident in in like also cutting drafts when it's for them um, mm -hmm. and other editors. I spend longer uh, doing uh, doing books for. So. So, yeah, you, you really have to. You have to. Totally. No, no I, it's it, it's a super important thing. I just you know, I mean, I, I it, it goes with everything. It goes with drawing, drawing. It goes with anything, making movies, whatever the thing is, music. 
you just got to do them, you know, and it's okay. You're going to get better the more you do it. You know, waiting to become great is not going to happen. You have to, you have to make the mistakes to become great. Well, there's something that really is important, which is like, you have to get very comfortable with, with the product being the end, like with, with, with like that being the goal, you, if you start getting too hung up on the sales being the goal or like the movie being the goal or whatever, like you're never going to, you will never be happy. Like you have to be. To me, the thing that I've learned the most in the past couple of years, especially as my books have gotten more popular, is like I have to be happy with the work. I have to if I can if I can be happy with the work, I can sell it in 10 years. I can relaunch it in three years, like whatever, if it doesn't do well. But like I have to be happy with the work and I have to be able to know that once I've made that, I'm going to be selling it for. I mean, I I made Ichabod in 2010. I'm selling it now. It's 12 years later. So. Um, you know, all of this stuff, like it, it, it builds over time yep. and like, you don't have to think that every word that you've written is amazing, but like, you have to, you have to be able to say my best book, the book I think is my best book I've ever written, never sells ever, ever. Right. <laughs> and, and it's so good. It's my dad's yeah. favorite book. It's, it's, it's my wife's favorite book. Like it's my favorite book I've written yeah. and like, it never sells, but like, uh, the market does not determine quality. No. The market determines popularity. Yeah. Um, but like it does not. And, and and like if your goal is like you sell 50,000 copies of a book and like it sells 10,000 copies, then like, yes, that is a failure. But if your goal is to make a great book that resonates with people and then it does that, yep. like you can be, you can live with the fact that you spent months years like making that thing and it's and i mean and you you were saying about the you know relaunching of things i mean man that's the thing like you know the the adage of there's no wrong answer wrong answer you know because the thing is that it might not be the right answer for the question being asked but that answer is the right answer for something for something else yeah and the your favorite book you don't know what is going to be in the zeitgeist in two years or four years from now and your book could be the right thing at that time. So when that's someone says like, hey, there's this great thing. I just read this thing. It's like from 2017 and it's unbelievably good. And the next thing you know, it explodes and it's it because it's the right answer for the time. And that's yeah. just that's just what it is. So speaking of the time and the right answers, what about. Boom, Battle Royale. So uh, I'm so proud of this series, the series that Chris and I uh, put together. I, I, I envisioned it in three parts. The first part being um, the gods about to invade the universe, the Lovecraftian gods. The second one is the gods invade and they have taken control. And the third is mythological gods and heroes of old uh, band together to try and repel the gods. Uh, yeah. And so this is the third volume uh cthulhu is hard to spell battle royale it's 34 stories 180 pages it's huge yeah it's it's the biggest one i've ever done we did 172 is the first one 160 was the second one this one's 180 so it is it is easily the longest one um i i made some 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 restrictions on people the last time where they could only have a story that was two or four pages that they were in volume one uh, in volume three, I didn't make any of those restrictions. Everyone had like way longer stories. And right. um, I mean, I've, 
I've edited now four anthologies and like they all like crank up, but I love, I mean, I love this series so much. It's so, it's, it's so fun. I think it's, uh, it, 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 it's everything that like in my world, I like cute and scary and like, and like creepy and like silly, like together. And this book is the series overall is 107 stories over 500 pages and like it really does the only rule is like it has to focus on the gods themselves yep. not like because the thing with lovecraft is um lovecraft like the gods were a very ancillary part of lovecraft's universe like it was a lot of detective uh and then it was like creepy person goes to the creepy town finds creepy cult trying to raise creepy god and then like horror happens yeah um, totally and so I wanted to flip that and make it about the God, about like, like, like make it about the gods, their everyday life. They're like, they're uh, like, they're, they're trials and tribulations. They're like horrors. They're like action. And I don't know, my wife read it and she liked it. And that's kind of like all I care about, because I think that if she likes it, uh, anyone will like it that is in my audience. So right. No, it's it's great. It's a it's a blast to read. Um, and there's some amazing talent uh, in this book. I was just like, wow. Wow. Like it was, it was, there were just, it's like throughout the whole thing. So I really, really enjoyed it. I'm, I, I appreciate the, uh, the advanced reader copy because it was a, it was a great read. Oh, I'm glad. And this is the first time that we had the one, the one, the only real complaint that we got from volume one and two was that the cover did not relate to an interior story of the book. Okay. And this is the first time that we've done, like we have a wrestling story inside sure, the book. It sure does relate. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was done by a different artist, and it's a different like uh, thing. It has a different um, um, outfits, but yep. like it is a wrestling story, and that is Zeus being uh, being uh, taken from the pylon by uh, Cthulhu. Yeah, no, no. It's it 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 and and the way you, and the way you stat you you know you sort of pulsed it through the the book. Great. It, it was it was a, it's a lot of fun. So when is this when is, when is this available for for the folks? Because it'll be I guess in a date. I think when this airs, it'll be like a day or two. So yeah, so you can uh, the it, it launches the twenty second of uh, February, and it um, it goes until the fifth of April, and it's on Kickstarter at CthulhuIsHardToSpell.com. You can just go there and you can get all three volumes. I mean, I if you like. We actually have four volumes of, of, go, of anthology. Go to, go to his website or his Twitter Twitter to, to get there because Cthulhu is hard to spell and you may mess it up in the URL. Yeah, it's a, it's easier to if you remember the second H is for horror. People usually forget the second H because it's so that people remember CTH. Then they yeah. just go ULU. And so I've, I've I thought second H is for horror is how I've remembered it because it's still I've edited now three of these volumes and it's still the most misspelled word in the sure. whole. The, the whole anthology, even though we've now been doing it for since 2017, uh, when we started putting this together. So, um, so yeah, I, and my, my website will redirect to it during mm -hmm. the, during the campaign. Um, but it, it's, I mean, I'm, this is the biggest goal we've ever had for a book. It's our biggest book we've ever done. And like, I, I, if, if you like anthologies, I mean, I, I can't imagine people that like anthologies, like not liking this. If you like monsters, if you like Lovecraft, the, 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 the real hook though, is it is about the gods and monsters. So like it can be tonally anything, yeah. but it will focus on the gods, which except for like uh, Call of Cthulhu and some of like the role-playing games, like I've never really seen 
like a thing that focuses on the gods in such a large capacity. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I really appreciated how everybody really just, they sort of dialed the God of their interest up or gods, plural, and went into however the story they wanted to tell about the gods. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, and it's just, you you know, you learn, like, it's a, it's like 10% of the Lovecraftian lore is, like, about the, the gods. But they're such, like, the best, to me, they're the best part of the universe. So I'm, I love, and I, you know, I love that we got some, like, real, like, m horror people. Mm -hmm. And we got some people like Kelsey Jo Silva and Angela Odling who just do, like, these very adorable monster things or, like, sexy monster things, even though it's an all-ages book. You yeah. know, we just, you know, there's, 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 there's something, I think, for everyone. And there's um the, the, like the pace is such that like you never get lulled into like a sense of like oh these are i've just read like three or four of the same kind of story in a row like we try yeah. and really like move things around yeah no the variety is totally there it's it's really great so february 22nd keep it february, february 22nd you get all three volumes and you can also get monsters and other scary shit which is the first volume of our monster anthology so the first volume is a monster anthology about monsters this is a monster anthology about lovecraft so mm -hmm. like it's in the same series but uh it's a different like book clearly yeah, but it's, it's in the cool same kind of like we like monsters yeah clearly um good, yeah just follow russell on twitter that way when it's going down you'll be in the front row seat because he's great on Twitter and keeps everybody up to date what's happening out there. Um, what else? So let's see, we're early February. So what can be, what, what else can people um, expect to see? Well, in June, I have a brand new, uh, four new books in my most popular series, The Gods vs. Chronicles coming out. Hold on. Oh, nice. I'm going to embiggen you. Oh, I'm going to try to embiggen you. There you go. Uh, oh, so awesome. So this is book one, and then book two. Nice. Book three. Cool. Uh, book four, and there's eleven. Uh, there's eleven total books in the series. I've re, um, I've re uh, uh, done some cover work on the on the whole series, and I've included now. We have a planet guide and a timeline. Oh, cool. In the book, all of the formatting is now consistent between all four of the uh, between all eleven books in the series. Oh, that's and, nice! Uh, and I'm very excited for that. Um, in so I've never done like I've never done a big series before until right. 2019. Um, uh, this is a year like I'm like oh wow I did a bunch of series now but I'd never done a series really until the like, Gods vs Chronicles so in September the fourth volume of uh, Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter uh, drops that's uh, the final volume sweet um, uh, so we've done in total sixteen issues um, and then at the end of the year in November we have um, my I'd said my favorite book I meant my favorite book that was out <laughs> my okay. favorite book that my wife and I uh, that book for both my wife and I is a book called Anne in the Dark Place which okay. will be launching in November oh sweet oh great so is, have, is, this, uh, is this an on its own or is this a part of a series no, this is on its own it's about a girl whose uh, best friend dies and comes back from the dead to help her heal a rift from the living and the dead and in doing so they realize they were in love with each other but they can never be together because they're once right. a ghost separated 
Yeah. Um, so, and like, as the, as they start solving the problem, she starts seeing, oh, when this problem is solved, like she'll mm -hmm. be gone forever. And right. like, yep. So, um, I mean, it's my wife loves it. I love it. Um, oh, cool. uh, uh, so it's been sitting in my shelf for many years, waiting for a, waiting to finally come out. It was supposed to come out last year and we had to like switch a publishing schedule because of some stuff. And so I'm so excited because, um, yeah, I'm 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 slowly working through all of the books in that I've written like five years ago. Mm -hmm. So like I'm finally kind of be current. Like a lot of this stuff, I'm like I wrote these books like two years ago. So yeah. I I I'm I'm like very excited to to be able to like move into the new year where like I'm working on more current stuff like right. Wicked Witch Academy, which and uh, the Dragon Strife books that I just launched. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's. It, I mean, it is interesting. Publishing schedules sort of can uh, douse the flame of excitement because uh, <laughs> you're sitting around waiting for it to happen. Yeah. Well, we and we had uh, the Gods versus post launch in January, but mm -hmm. um, we, we had we we got a new we got a new proof. We, we so we reproofed the book and we did some like artwork. And I was not confident that it'd be all ready by the by the time we needed to print it. Yeah. So I uh, I decided to flip that with a book called Dragon Strife that I had done just a couple months ago. So like it was the first time I'd been like, oh, I just just finished this series like yeah. in August, and like I'm talking about it now. Like I remember actually yeah. what happens in. I don't have to go back and right. reread the whole thing. Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It is. It, though it's great to reread older things because you're like, I didn't even know I wrote that. That's exciting. Yeah. It was really interesting to read Ichabod again because yeah. I had read I made it in 2011, and then we restarted in 2019, and so I had to read it. A bunch of times to like get the pacing right and get the tone yep. right and figure out like what I was thinking about ten years ago. Like it was like reading someone else's work. So, um, uh, so uh, it's it is very interesting to go back and read your stuff and be like, oh, this still I think this still holds up. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. That is awesome. Well, Russell, thank you so much for joining. Well, me, not us, but me today. <laughs> um, it was really great to hear your story and uh, and really kind of have you share so much about your process and the work that you do because it's a it's 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 a lot man you're 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 really you're crushing it so uh i thank you for taking the time to join us thank you for having me yeah so man, i'm waiting for the music this is what i do with phil every week and then he waits for me um anyway russell thank you so much um like follow subscribe whatever those things that people say they're supposed to do on the internet do that stuff for russell find them Find us at Big Story Pod everywhere, and uh, we'll see you next time. Ciao.